0: do i love this school do i love this stuff do i love this people is there something there that excites me something there that i'm going to be willing to say with all my normal questions and doubts and uncertainties and et cetera, i'm going to go for this i'm going to give it a go because i think if that's there if there's enough of that there then it's going to be awesome you pick a you know you pick a decent quality school and you're willing to go for it good things are going to happen
1: Hello, my name is Jeff Large, and you are listening to Choosing a Massage School. This is a podcast where I discuss with leading massage therapists everything you need to know when deciding on a massage therapy education. I want you to pay special attention to Till's wisdom and encouragement throughout this episode. He does a good job of going back and forth between highlighting the technical and specifics, but staying true to your core and following your passion when the path resonates with you. As you'll hear him say throughout the interview, just go for it.
0: I'm Till Luca. I am a certified advanced rolfer and the director of advanced-trainings.com. Tell
1: me a little bit about your journey in the massage therapy space.
0: My first exposure was in a bookstore in London in 1975. And it was a funny little book on the shelf about massage techniques. And I was a teenager living there and it caught my eye. And uh, ended up buying it, and as a teenager, just to think that oh, you I mean you can actually like do this? It's the thing you can do. You can do something like massage or bodywork. And this was George Downing's massage book from the seventies, which became a classic. And he talked in, about things in there like I had no idea I had connections to bodywork, things like Tai Chi at that time. I mean, this is the seventies, meditation, Gestalt therapy, and I'm like, this is a, there's a whole world here I had no idea about. So that planted some seeds that probably sprouted for me in my early 20s when I was uh, living at the Esalen Institute in California, where a lot of, where actually where George Downey wrote that book and where a lot of those things got started that came out into the culture at large, then continued as I left Esalen and went to the Rolf Institute in Colorado and trained as a rolfer and ended up running their foundations program. I was there on their faculty for about 20 years
1: how much of your time is spent actually practicing massage therapy versus how much of your time is spent teaching massage therapy
0: yeah massage therapy is actually not something i practice i trained as a rolfer and so i do i describe it as hands-on manual therapy or hands-on body work i have a lot of massage therapists who come to my continuing education trainings and i do see clients and it's a fairly small practice but it's enough that i keep my finger in that pie and still enjoy it. And most of my time is spent teaching. Mm -hmm. And before COVID, actually traveling and teaching, but gradually starting to look at getting it back on the calendar again. Yeah, no, that's
1: good to hear. Um, And then just again for context, about how long have you been teaching? taught my first class in 1985. If I'm a student debating this at all, what are maybe those preliminary questions I should be asking even myself if this would be a good field or if I should even start down that journey, like what, what kind of recommendations do you have there?
0: All right. So yeah, if you're going down that path and the first question is, should I even do this? The people I know that have really made it work for them, it wasn't a decision. It was, you could say more of a feeling or more of a knowing or more of a, even a calling you could say where there was just a sense like this is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to do. And not like we were all sure. I mean, I was in my early 20s. You're never sure about like what you want to do with your life at that age. But this is something I clearly want to try. It was interesting enough that I said, yeah, I got to do this. I got to give this a go. I didn't imagine that I'd still be doing it here now Mm -hmm. into my 60s.
1: Till has seen an increase in awareness around massage therapy and body work. Beyond the perk of being a lifestyle career, massage therapy offers an abundance of personal growth, opportunity, and transformation.
0: And then I think, you know, there was the there's always been the promise like, oh, if I just I'll go to this school for a year or two, whatever, and get a job that seems to pay me pretty well per hour and seems like a pretty fun thing to do. That's the on the surface promise of the profession. And of course, the reality is that and a lot more. And there's, of course, you know, most of us who got into it realized that if we wanted to do this to get rich, we would have picked podcasting. or something, or uh, real estate, or uh, stockbrokers, or whatever, you know, most people don't stay in it for the money, but the people that are into it and good do all right. Mm
1: -hmm. To go to focus maybe a little bit more before we actually start talking about schools and whatnot, maybe to look at it a little more introspectively, even from your stance as an educator, are there any qualities or things that you look for in your students, like for the ones that say really excel in this space?
0: Yeah, do they love it? It's that simple. Do the students love what they're doing? Do they love learning? Do they love the different aspects? And not like they're naturally gifted even, because that's another question. It's like, how much of this is even teachable? And I remember being there at the Esalen Institute, being an assistant in my early teaching days, and one of our jobs was, as the assistants, is as we we're the ones that had to get the massages from the students to see if they passed or failed. So it seems like a pretty good job You get a bunch of massages, but there's some people that are really good at that point and some people that just aren't. Mm. And it was really a mystery to me because we would take people through the same program and we give them our best effort. Let's help them really get good at this. And at the end of it, they give the assistant teachers a massage And they were so different. Some people were really, really good. And some people were really, really not. And I think overall, the field has gotten better at taking everybody to a certain level of competence. But there is the question that came up at that point is how much of this is natural gift? How much of this can be taught? And that really started me on my inquiry about how do we take everyone and help them get something that's going to be really great and may help them be really great at it. Mm -hmm. So there is, it's a tricky thing because there's so much... I mean, that's one of the appeals of the field too. There's so much about it that's instinctual, which actually I think you can learn and develop into. There's so much of it that's cognitive that you got to just learn. You got to do your homework and do the work involved and learn some stuff. And then so much of it's personal. Some of it's just you know just how you relate to people. And a lot of people coming into the field realize they didn't expect to find their learning or their satisfaction there, but so much of it is relational. You just end up getting better at relationships too.
1: Mm -hmm. I think it's really interesting that you're pointing out sort of that classic nature nurture type argument almost. And and I think that leads well into starting to explore things from an education standpoint, like from Mm -hmm. even that experience and being able to ponder and really witness those things firsthand. I'm going to maybe start broad and we can drill down. What are some of those defining factors in education that allow you to teach anyone?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, some of it's what the student brings. So I think we're talking to people that are interested in learning this or in the process of learning it or in the field. But a lot of it is what you as the student, as the learner bring. Are you interested? Are you willing? Have you committed? Are you going for it? If those things are in place, there's a whole lot that's possible. That's necessary, but it's not sufficient because then you need the right situation. You need to have a good fit with the teachers you're working with with the style you're learning, it has to speak to you. And you you know you need to be having a certain kind of quality, certain level of quality of experience that inspires you and excites you and gives you what you need to go forward. It gives the actual tangible tools and skills and things like that that you need.
1: So when then I'm beginning to evaluate schools and options, maybe right. from a top level, what are some of those initial things that I should be looking for or maybe asking?
0: Yeah, I'm gonna start at the bottom. You said top level, but let's get there. Okay. The bottom level is gonna be, do I love it? That's the foundation. Does it interest me? Does it excite me? Where do I wanna live? Do I love this school? Do I love this stuff? Do I love these people? Is there something there that excites me? Something there that I'm gonna be willing to say with all my normal questions and doubts and uncertainties and et cetera, I'm gonna go for this. I'm gonna give it a go. Because I think if that's there, if there's enough of that there, then it's gonna be awesome. You know, you pick a decent quality school and you're willing to go for it, good things are gonna happen.
1: Asking these broad questions is helpful, but Till emphasizes going the extra mile to figure out what doors the credentials will open for you in the state or specialty or school that you are considering. To put it another way, will this school be a stepping stone towards your goals?
0: So now, basically once you satisfy your gut Then you got to satisfy your head. You know, once you got your passion behind it, then you got to rationalize it to your inner accountant or your pocketbook or whatever. So you go, Am I gonna earn a credential that's gonna open some doors for me? And that could vary by state, it could vary by specialty. But that was a consideration for me. There were back at that time, there were not as many options as we have now. But there were enough there that I realized some of these are going probably going to really be fun, but they may not give me a credential that's going to mean much to anybody else besides me. So is it going to actually earn me something that is going to open some doors? I would ask some people who were in the field or knew something about it, or maybe I'd call up the place that I'd like to work and say, what credentials do you want to see in someone that you even consider for an interview? Never mind that. I'm not even trained yet. But I want your advice on what what credentials are going to mean something to you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. You deconstruct it backwards almost.
0: Yeah, find out what is going to actually open the doors that you want to have open. It's that funny match between what appeals to me and fits with what I know and love, and what's going to push me to grow into areas that I might not necessarily choose for myself. Because you know the purpose of that entry level education is to really give you a foundation to really help you with the information you need to do good work as a competent practitioner. And some of that is based on passion, the bottom-up thing, and some of that is really based on some clearly delineated objectives and goals in certain areas, like you need to know your academics, you need to know your ethics, you need to know the mechanics of how you're going to do the work, et cetera. And uh, so you you want a place that's got a well-rounded curriculum and is going to ask you to show up in some different ways.
1: I'm definitely hearing that you want to strike that balance between personally enjoying it, but also being able to challenge yourself and sort of look at it a little more long term of how it will affect you in the long run. I'm hearing yeah. that the education should be well-rounded. You also made a comment regarding like the fit with the teachers and things. Do you have right. any tips on how to evaluate this when even say like I I pick three schools that I kind of have a a like and I want to start digging into them a little further how do I begin to evaluate those things
0: if your school lets you visit a class do it I mean go get a feeling for the facility actually go there if you can or do a virtual tour whatever but actually if you can be in a class or drop into an online class take advantage of that get a sense of the real feel of being there find grads and talk to them And I don't just just mean online reviews. Online reviews are worth a lot, but there's a natural skewing to the reviews where you're going to get some people that had a bad experience anywhere. If you can find ways to talk to people that have been through that school and find out you know, how did they experience it on average, it's going to be great. And I, I travel, like I said, a bunch and teach, and I go into different schools and talk to their grads. You get a pretty quick sense of, do the alumni really still respect their institution? Are they still involved? Do they still feel like they got a good quality education or not? Because there's both. Mm -hmm. There's both. So, you know, if you can find ways to both hear what alumni are saying, but especially meet some and talk to them, you'll gain so much from that experience. Yeah.
1: Another thing you've mentioned a few times now is this word quality. What does it mean to have a quality education?
0: Yeah. What does it mean? Right. I think it's that combination that we've been talking about all along between say some deliberate standards and clearly delineated measures and a kind of dedication, that kind of gut level emotional dedication to making things satisfying and really good for the people that are involved.
1: While the quality and nature of the hours and training a school provides does impact your education, Till highlights that the culture of an institution is another key driver of the massage therapist you will become
0: the way that the school uses their hours is to some extent going to reflect their priorities and their culture. Although the, if they are, certainly if they're accredited and certainly if they're shooting for an approved curriculum, they have some parameters on how the hours can be skewed either way. But I think it's fair to ask any school, where how what do you really emphasize in terms of your culture? What makes you distinct? And to see if that resonates. And then, that might be, a, like you said, a deconstructing question you asked the graduates or alumni. What did your school really emphasize? What makes them distinct? To hear how that played out in reality, because every school has its own culture and has its own strengths, and what it ends up delivering reflects that. It's a mature field at this point. There's so many schools that have really found a way to make it work and survive and refine what they're doing and are offering amazing stuff, and they're so different. There's such a big variety of specialties. You can get really technical you can get really intuitive. You can get, you know, the shortest possible path through this career. Get me working as soon as I can. You can go like methodically, step by step, and get a super solid, super detailed education before you even get out there. You got a lot of options there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I think it's I think it's finding the right fit for you and the one that speaks to you. You know, I, of course, here at the at this side of the story, looking backwards, I'm thinking slow it down. You know, you don't need to rush so much. You don't need to get in the exact month you think you did. There's often like, you know, get me through it quick. Those might be the stories that I see being the least satisfying in the end. The people that are willing to take the time with it and get the education, even if it's not the right month for them to start, or even if the program's a little longer than they might've chosen, those are the ones that seem to have the most satisfying careers, you could say, are the most satisfying work in the end.
1: I can see the, that theme of yours of, uh, do you love it? coming through with the way that you're answering some of these things. Because I was also kind of wondering on like, just with the hindsight you have, that's what I want to try to tap into as much as possible to be able to look back at it in retrospect, to be able to see that, especially that you're working with students who are 10 years in, like those things in the beginning, can you think of stories or even examples from your own career of the things that mattered or maybe didn't or the opposite of experiences where you where you were burned and you wish it didn't happen that might be helpful to our listener?
0: Well, I mean things that matter and don't, that's a good question. It's often you're again you at that entry point in your career, you're shopping for, like I said, for location or for the month you're going to start or for the exact situation. Those things fall away. It really is what you learn. That's the asset you're investing in is your own learning. And so that's so much of that is up to the learner. You know, that's what's going to stick with you. That includes even modality. Say, like you say, I want to learn X modality. I want to learn shiatsu. I want to learn biopsychosocial approach. I want to learn structural integration. Whatever. Those are great entry points. But that's usually what they are for people's career. They're usually an entry point, and most people end up rounding out their knowledge as they go along just to you know make it past that one or two year threshold, we really do learn so much more as we go along that the, even the modality becomes just an entry point. So you don't even need to shop for modality except to the point it's like, is this a good place that I wanna start? I'm getting people later who come and say, now I've done this initial modality, I've learned for 10, 15, 20 years, I want something else. So I'm getting those kind of questions all the time. And those, those are the most interesting moments sometimes It's when you really, those people have gotten a sense of what they like, what they don't, works with them, et cetera, and they're ready to even take it to another level, to drop it down into overdrive in a way Mm -hmm. and really make it work for them.
1: For the people that are able to experience that longevity to it, do you see any patterns of what they reflect on? Like what are those commonalities to the people that are in it still and that are successful and that are happy?
0: Yeah, some of us probably start, but I don't, I can't say, yeah, if you start with a really ambitious entry-level education, you're more likely to be doing it 10 years out. I know people that started really casually, like when I first did my training, the state that I was in had 125-hour certification. That's what it was at that time. And that's nothing compared to what most, any state is now, I think in the U.S. at least. So we were, we had like one afternoon of anatomy. That was my program. And yet here I am, you know, nearly 40 years later and so into the technical side, so into the anatomical side, as well as all the rest of it too. But I don't think I can say that it's the curriculum or you know, that keeps people going. I think it really is that sequencing the pieces together in a way that keeps people engaged and keeps them interested. Is it interesting enough for me to start with that I see this as a way to open doors into more and more learning because there's so many pathways through this profession, through this kind of work. Right. People stay in this field Right, I it say like we're talking massage therapy. People stay as a massage therapy have super satisfying and super lucrative careers through their whole profession. Other people see it as a branch way into say something like structural integration or acupuncture or physical therapy or coaching or counseling or those kind of things It serves as an entry point. It's turned to a kind of a undergrad degree for a lot of these professions as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely hearing that I think with education and especially when you move into the realm of choosing a career, a lot of these decisions probably feel more finite than they actually are. And as I hear you explain this, it's like, I feel like we need to keep in mind that we have options. And even if we go down one route and maybe we find out a year later that it wasn't exactly what we wanted to do, it sounds like there's a lot of opportunity to change and pursue what we do want to do. Right.
0: And that's that's what I'm saying. I think. And I think that's the advice I would give my 20 something year old self now. is like, go for it. Don't be so worried about it being just the right thing right now. If it's enough that you can really go for it, it opens so many doors and the right thing becomes the pathway more than the one decision.
1: This is what I mentioned at the top of the show. Till's advice to go for it underscores the refreshing theme of encouragement and the pursuit of your career without overthinking it. What matters is that you start
0: and that you stay present. Avoid multitasking. Can you do just this? And this, that's not everyone's reality. And people with kids or people with obligations end up doing evening programs. And that can work well, too. It's not like you have to do just this. You have to be a 20-something-year-old, 18-year-old student, do just this, say. But if you understand that this has the potential to be a full calling and that it will give you back as much as you put into it, then if you can put some other things aside to make this your primary focus for a while that's really gonna increase the option, the, the rewards you get out of it in a way. And that includes like everything from not texting and under your desk in the back of class to like not trying to work too many jobs at the same time you're in your massage career. It's like if you, as much as, you know, the more you can do just this, the more you'll get out of it. Be clear about what your primary focus is and be able to put the other things aside enough because there's plenty here to keep you busy. Absolutely.
1: Is there anything that you wish you knew um- Not even just before becoming a massage therapist, but things that you wish you knew throughout your career, like before they happened.
0: My only advice for myself back then was go for it. You know, jump in. Don't second guess it. You know, it's quite so much. Don't try to make it just right so much. Just decide this is it and go, because that's going to be so, that's going to set the groundwork for you to get so much out of it in the end. But no, there's so much learning that happens along the way you learn about the type of modality you want to do. You learn about the ways you want to use your body. You learn about what kind of clients you want. You will learn about what kind of situations you want to be working in. And I I mean, I started working in resort situations. I was working in Aspen in uh, the ski season. Mm -hmm. It was really fun for a few years. But then I realized, no, I, I don't want to be lugging my table. I had little skis to put my table on. I don't want to be lugging my table through the snow. And going in, into condos where there's no space i don't have any control over the environment and as much as people loved their session i didn't want them reaching for the phone to call this was before cell phones reaching for the phone to call their friend to tell them what a good session they're having and narrating what i was doing blow by blow i wanted people that were more focused on the work they were getting at the
1: end of the day till says the kind of massage therapist you will become will be determined by who you are don't be afraid to make it your own and let the work influence who you are becoming.
0: I think I've probably said it, but so much of this career is how you do it and how you are it, as well as you know just learning it and repeating it. It really invites you to come in as a person. And that includes every part of you, your, your brain, your heart, your body, your soul. And so it, I think the people, you know, some of your earlier questions, like who really made this work for them? It was the people that threw themselves into it. And, uh, you know, it's, it doesn't work that well as a nine to five, it's pretty hard work in a way. So it's like, you do clock in and you do clock out. But you know, you, you want your heart in it, you want your body in it. you want to be embodied, you want to be receiving the work, you want to invest in getting the experiences that will let you know what the people on the table are experiencing too. And, you know, the really good therapists are the ones that inspire their clients. It isn't just a technical thing that they receive. They, if you've ever had a really good session, you know that so much of that was the therapist. They're who they are and how they did it that inspired you out there on the table. And so it's deciding to lead a life that supports you being inspirational, really. It's deciding to lead a lifestyle that really does support you being somebody who inspires other people, not just the technician.
1: I love it. Phil. this has been a great conversation. If you know someone who's considering a career in massage therapy, please share the show with them. Or if you are considering a career in massage therapy, make sure you're following us on your podcast app of choice. You do not want to miss future episodes. Choosing a Massage School is sponsored by East West College of the Healing Arts in Portland, Oregon. East West College has been successfully educating massage therapists in a safe, supportive, and professional environment since 1972. To learn more about East West, visit eastwestcollege.edu. The show was created in partnership with Come Alive Creative. The show was produced by Maggie Fisher and edited by Isidore Nieves. I'm your host, Jeff Large. Thanks for listening.